You are listening to Mars Attacks podcast, a member of Talking Metal Digital and the Cast Iron Ring. This is Kurt Winstein from Crowbar, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Uh, hey, what's up? This is Liam from Cancer Bats. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony. Hey! Everybody, this is your big daddy-o, Gene Hoagland. What's up? This is Doc Coyle. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attack. Hey, this is Rex Brown from Kill Devil Hill. Hey, this is Richard Christie from the band Charred Walls of the Damned on Metal Blade Records. Hey, this is Chris Barnes from Six Feet Under. Hey, what do you say? Be careful because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. You're listening to the Mars Attacks Podcast. Here is your host, Victor. Let's get it up. Welcome, one and all, to episode number 84 of the Mars Attacks Podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and here we are once again with another great show for you. Last time around, we did an all-talk episode, which a lot of people dug. Thought it was cool to get feedback and hear from people saying that they enjoyed uh, just hearing me shoot the shit, per se, as opposed to interviewing people or talking about, you know, music and whatnot. If you honestly want to catch me, you know, doing more of that type of episode, I would recommend that you go to victormruez.com. Or go to iTunes and subscribe to my other podcast, The Incoherent Ramblings of Victor M. Ruiz, because I do just sit there and and blab for anywhere from an hour, or from half an hour to an hour, basically. Talk about other stuff outside of metal. But we're here at Mars Attacks right now. We are smack dab at the start of episode 84, and at the end of 83, I promised... We would have a long-lost interview with Glenn Drover, former guitarist of Megadeth. And uh, he'd contacted me out of the blue uh, about uh, pushing a live album that he had done. Uh, I ended up talking to him again with Mark Striegel on one of the Talking Metal Live shows. Uh, So between that and the health issues that I keep mentioning... Uh, I decided, you know what, let's hold on to this one, because I think it it's more useful to Glenn if we don't have, you know, um, a Talking Metal interview and then a Mars Attacks interview come out back-to-back. I mean, I think it's more beneficial that we hold off a little, and that's one of the uh, sort of the harder things that... Um, uh, that are entailed in doing podcasting. Someone just asked me for... Um, how shall I put this? I'm among you guys to death already, but uh, I'm trying to figure out how to properly say this. Someone asked me for advice. And there are so many podcasts out there, it is difficult, I think, to sort of break through and sort of, you know, be that sickle cutting through all those blades of grass and getting people to know you. Thanks to Talking Metal... A lot more people are getting to know my podcast, and almost on a weekly basis now, I get feedback from people that say, hey, you know, uh, I've always heard Mark Striegel mention your podcast, but I never 
decided to check you out until I heard you on their podcast. And now I'm going back and listening to every episode of Mars Attacks and absolutely love it. So, um, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to get across because the Internet is a blessing and a curse. And anyone can have a show, me included. And there are a lot of shows out there. I mean, podcasting maybe for some people. I know like Paul Stanley had an offhanded remark towards um, a great interview that Decibel Geek podcasted with Gary Corbett, where he pretty much, you know, gave his side of the story of what happened to him while he was in KISS. And, you know, Paul sort of said, oh, no, a podcast, you know, sort of like saying, like, big deal. That's the thing, you know, a lot of bigger artists don't take it seriously. Uh, It's funny. I'm a big wrestling fan, mentioned this a bunch of times. The WWE is another organization that does not take podcasting seriously. Until you have Stone Cold Steve Austin, arguably the biggest moneymaker of all time for them start to do a podcast. Chris Jericho is doing a podcast now, and so is Jim Ross. So all of a sudden, what happens? They start to say, shit, maybe this isn't, you know, a throwaway type deal like we thought it was. Steve Austin gets all types of revenue and has commercials during his show. Uh, I mean, I honestly haven't listened to Jericho or JR's podcast, but I really love Austin's uh, podcast I mentioned that in the past because I do think that the storytelling, or I think that he has a gift for storytelling and bringing certain things out of his guests, especially if they're other wrestlers. And and I do think that a lot of it does tie into uh, you know hard rock and metal type scene. He has had Kerry King on. I haven't listened to that interview yet. I believe he's had Zach Wild as well. Um, he's a huge Kiss fan. So I'd love to interview him about KISS, but who knows? Who knows what will happen down the road? Maybe one day we'll be lucky enough to be able to talk to him about all types of things metal. And it was interesting because during one episode, he was talking to uh, someone from MNA, MMA, excuse me, uh, Josh, um, Josh Barnett's his name maybe. I apologize, I'm, I'm messing the name up. But it it was incredible. He starts talking about Iron Maiden, about Steve Harris, and about this and about that. And I'm like, holy shit. So he, he really is a fan. So it was cool. You know, it was cool to hear. But, uh, yes. Anyway, to all of you that are just checking this out for the first time, for those of you that have listened to this several times, please go to iTunes and leave a comment. Good, bad, or indifferent. That helps people that I try to get sponsor the show that makes them think that people are actually listening. And I know that you're listening because you send me your feedback. But I can't exactly, you know, send them an email saying, hey, Joe from Alaska wrote saying that he loves the show. And they say, yeah, but the numbers don't show it. Yeah, but you don't have enough people on iTunes saying that they love the show. So please, pretty please, go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave a comment. If you hate all things Apple and have an Android device, we got you covered, man. We're on Stitcher as well. Also, you can listen to the episodes 
or download them directly off of MarsAttacksRadio.com. If you aren't familiar with the fact that Mars Attacks is affiliated to two podcasting networks, we started out on Cast Iron Ring. That would be CastIronRing.com. Go there to check out the latest information regarding not only Iron City Rocks, but uh, Couch of Metal, uh, also Focus on Metal, uh, Radioactive Metal, um, Signal to Noise. I'm doing this off the top of my head without opening up the page, and I know that I'm missing a bunch, but just go to castironring.com. You will not be disappointed. Wikimetal is another cool one that's on there, which is either all in English, Brazilian and English, or just Brazilian. Those they normally don't include. Uh, what else? And Talking Metal Digital, how could I forget? The network. You can go to TalkingMetalDigital.com and find out about Talking Metal, Talking Rock, Mars Attacks, and there will be other podcasts that are going to be added shortly. So we'll keep you on pins and needles thinking about that. Uh, I do think that the best thing for us to do is sort of model ourselves after things that are already successful. I try to say that a bunch of times. I may bore people by saying that, but I do think it's true that if it's worked in the past, it's similar to a car. When they made the Model T, the next car that came out wasn't exactly a Model T, but it was a derivation of what that original Model T was. So if that was successful... Well, hey, why not do something similar? Try to improve upon it. Put your own stank on it and just make it happen, you know? That's what we're trying to do with Talking Metal Digital. And uh, we also have a 24-hour streaming radio show. Not radio show. Radio Network. Damn it. If you go to live 365 forward slash Striegel S-T- R-I-G-L-1-2-3. You'll be able to listen to Talking Metal Digital, the streaming radio network. Uh, Listen to it on any of your smartphone or tablet devices. Just install the Live 365 app and you'll be able to listen. For those of you that want to listen from your desktop at work, go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. And you can use the player right off the homepage or just go to that live365.com forward slash striegel123 and you'll be able to stream it directly from there. What else? Ooh, we also have Facebook pages for Cast Iron Ring and for Talking Metal Digital. Uh, both of them are facebook.com forward slash Cast Iron Ring. Or forward slash Talking Metal Digital. For Mars Attacks, it is forward slash Mars Attacks Radio on Facebook. We also have the Twitter. You could reach me at VMR907 or Mars Aries 2005, whichever you prefer. In any event, I try to make it easy for you. There are links on the right hand side of the homepage where you can uh, actually go over and subscribe to any of those on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And I want to thank you guys for stepping to the plate and buying stuff on Amazon. 
via the links that we have on MarsAttacksRadio.com. We have a bunch of different affiliate sites uh, that we are associated to where if you click on one of the links, go over to their fine establishments on the web, purchase something, we get a small kickback, you get their great products and don't have to pay anything additional. People have been stepping to the plate with Amazon, so thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, You can also donate any spare change you might have. And Robin Harris would say, (laughs) what the fuck is spare change? How about a spare kick in the ass? No. But uh, anyway, if you feel so inclined to donate to the show, please do so. There is a donate button for PayPal right there on the right-hand side of the homepage. We've just spent a considerable amount of money on the equipment that we were discussing during the last episode. I still have to pay my buddy for the Shure SM7B, which I will most definitely be keeping. Love this mic. Uh, He was actually over here the other day and helped me sort out some issues with the board. Interesting when you're trying to get something to work and have no idea what you're doing. And you have a company you're working with who basically doesn't want to support their products because they're already end of line. And even if you say, hey, I'll pay you for it. What the fuck? The David Lee Roth version. You know, they still, 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 still do not reach out to you. So, uh, you know, it's uh, upsetting, but, you know, hey. This friend of mine has helped me, um, you know, work some things out here. They aren't exactly perfect. Uh, some of these things are you get what you pay for, but uh, I wouldn't be able to afford anything else. Uh, I saw that there is a new crowdfunding site. Actually, Mark Striegel pointed this out to me for crowdfunding for podcasts. I need to look into it. It might be something I may do to try to recoup some of the money that I spent with this setup and improving some of the things that I purchased that, although cool, not good enough to use on the show because there's maybe too much interference or just something isn't working right. I'd prefer just to have the the thing switched off as opposed to... uh, giving you guys some poor sound quality. Not to say that this is like, uh, you know, Emmy Award winning or Marconi Award winning (laughs) audio here, but, you know, we do what we can. Um, What else do we have going on? A lot of peeves, a lot of things that I'm pissed at, but uh, not going to get into that here. We'll probably do another episode of the Incoherent Ramblings of Victor M. Ruiz to mention that stuff, mention some of the shows that I've been watching lately, movies that I've caught lately, you know, that that type of thing. So hopefully, uh, I, w- I want to get to doing one episode per week of that. We'll see if that works out or if it'll be every two weeks or what, but we'll see. Anyway... Since we have Glenn Drover featured on this episode, let's get into some thrash music since he was in Megadeth, known predominantly for, you know, 
Megadeth and their thrash music. So let's get into some different cool tracks that I've been wanting to play on the show for a time, you know. A lot of times when I play stuff, it's to pique people's interest. And some people do respond and say, holy shit, you know, that, that song was so cool. You know, I'm so glad you played it. I didn't know it existed. I've gone out and I've bought the album now. Or I bought it on iTunes. So if that's, you know, if that's, the, if that's what you get out of this, cool. Then, you know, it, 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 it does work, <laughs> you know. And that actually makes people come back and, and want to, um, you know, sponsor us and, and do all types of nifty stuff with us. Anyway, here is a Scorpions cover by Testament. Uh, the name of this track is Sales of Sharon. This is from the John Uli Roth era. And for all those people that say... Oh, you know, scorpions suck. You know, it's only rocky like a hurricane and winds of change. A lot of thrash and metal bands that absolutely love 70s and early 80s scorpions. So check this out.
little testament with sales of Sharon. Anthrax. Always hate it when I hear people say, oh, well, you know, they sucked without Joey Belladonna. One of the things you're going to hear on the classic albums column when we do discuss one of the John Bush era albums is that Charlie Benante actually says he'd prefer to hear people say, you know, I prefer Joey's voice, never got into, you know, John within the band. And he's cool with that. He'd prefer to hear that over hearing people say, oh, they suck with Bush because they don't suck with Bush. That's my opinion also. So uh, this is a track that I've always loved. This is one of my favorite Anthrax albums. This is off of Volume 8, The Threat is Real. This is Catharsis.
little catharsis coming off of Volume 8 by Anthrax. Scott Ian does have a pledge campaign out there for his new Speaking Words DVD. And for a while now, I hadn't bitten on any of these campaigns. Only because it really annoys me that someone asks for a considerable amount of money... You get a CD, you get whatever it is, and all of a sudden everything is cheapened by the fact that they release it a day later on iTunes in the exact same format, Ernest Thor. 311 is doing that. I saw it and I'm like, you know, no, I'm not backing them up because, you know, they've already got a a fucking pre-order up on iTunes. If you have a pre-order already, why are you having people crowdfund the, the damn album then? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't know. Someone explain it to me. Input at MarsAttacksRadio.com. With Scott, I think he's gotten a little carried away with some of the prices, but I went ahead and and pulled the trigger on something that I thought was feasible within my price range. Um, there are others out there that I did. I also, you know, that got me started um, back to Ricky Warwick. Uh, project as well because I'm a big fan of Ricky's from back in the Almighty days. Which, if you haven't checked out the Almighty and you're a hard rock fan, you don't know what you're missing. Uh, what else? The Birthday Massacre, a band that I started listening to about a year ago, two years ago maybe, from Ontario, Canada. Have this. I don't know, people always say this goth thing, and everyone's going to point to Evan Essence because they've got a female singer. To me, Chibi doesn't sound like Amy Lee at all. The keyboards are different because they're more like 80s synth-type keyboards. It would be as if if I were melding, let's say, um, Berlin with um, some more gothic overtones and some heavier guitars, so to me... That works. I think it's cool. I, I dig it. And um, and there's another one from someone who was within the Wild Hearts uh, who the snippet of song that I heard sounded pretty cool and everything that I've heard so far sounded cool, so I backed that as well. But the, the one thing that did annoy me, I posted this on the Birthday Massacres page. Update. Here's a picture of Chibi... In, you know, a hallway. Okay, cool. Fine. Next day. Her with another band member on some random couch. Then a, you know, picture of a band that wasn't released. It's like, these are the updates you're giving? You know, I'm not saying, I mean, I don't know what I would do. But to me, the litmus test is what Metallica did with Death Magnetic and releasing small snippets. Every day, I mean, not every band can afford to do that, but Ricky Warwick's been doing that. He's been releasing a small, like, three-minute clip where either he or the album's co-writer discuss how they met or how a track came together or there was one clip where uh, they showed um, Ricky recording with Snow Patrol's guitarist that... um, uh, Billy Morrison Studios out in LA, and it was just cool. You know, I'm I'm a music geek, and I love all that stuff, and I eat it up. You know, so that's so neat. 
But just to have a, a picture that didn't make the cut for some, you know, PR thing that they, they were involved in, you know, that that's an update. I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. And that's why I think a lot of these bands, I think crowdfunding will end up dying to a certain extent, at least in music. New, new bands can't use it because it gets them nowhere. Not enough people will get involved to back them up. These bands that I'm mentioning, the Wild Hearts, um, the Almighty, and Ricky Warwick actually, you know, is in Black Star Riders, uh, was in Thin Lizzy, and actually Joe Elliott's producing the album. So, he's got some, you know, he's got a little bit more, uh, you know, weight behind what he's doing. Um... Some of these others, you know, if if you're a Nine Inch Nails when, you know, Trent was professing crowdfunding, yes, Nine Inch Nails can do that. Metallica can, you know, sell their own shit. They did it with the uh, Quebec Magnetic DVD and with the new um, Through the Never DVD, I believe. I, I have that sitting downstairs wrapped up. I haven't seen it yet. When I check it out, I'll let you guys know uh, what I think of it. But, uh, you know, the other thing, too, is there are bands that, you know, I've interviewed, I've gotten along great with some of the members, and you get the rewards. And, you know, part of it isn't the reward. It's, you know, knowing that you're helping a band out. But at the same time, you know, it's your hard-earned money. And if what you're getting is something that's just a, a piece of shit that they're sending you, it's like... What the fuck did I back? I know of a specific band that I backed where what I got was broken merch, was sort of shoddily put together, and based on their mm, uh, based on their campaign, you were getting their new album. They sent me their previous album, and I asked, I said, hey, I thought this was for the new album. No, no, this is to fund the new album. Okay, well, wouldn't it make sense to send the new album out once it's ready, along with the gifts? Yeah, maybe that might have made sense, but we decided to send the other album out instead, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> you know, I'm interested in funding this album because I know someone who's playing on it. I don't know anyone who played on the previous album, and... You know, all right, the album isn't bad, but at the same time, it's sort of misleading. I don't know, maybe I'm just an idiot and can't read, but um, that's that. Um, let's get into a little bit of uh, the Glenn Drover interview. Let's get into, uh, there's actually, the album he was promoting is an album called Live at Metalworks, where it's Dave Martone and him, and they do a few different tracks. They do covers and whatnot. And there's one track that is a Glenn Drover band track, uh, which the name of the band has since changed. They've changed to the name that they used for um, the previous album, which is uh, Metallurgy or all right, let, let me look this up instead of sounding like like an idiot. And I'm enough of a, a dope here where I'm not even going to edit this out. So let's see. 
Um, Glenn Drover, Google is taking forever. Um, Metalusion. All right, there you go. So Metalusion is the name of the band now. But what he was promoting at the time was this Live at Metalworks, and it's he and Dave Martone. Let's get into the track Ascension, which does not appear on any other live album that he's released with the Glenn Drover band. So here we go. We'll jump into that and then the interview with Glenn. On the phone, we have Glenn Drover uh, up in Canada, just finished giving a lesson, 
and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about an album that he just released on Magna Carta Records. Glenn, how are you? I'm good, thank you very much. So, this new live at Metalworks was just released by Magna Carta. This concert actually took place a little over two years ago, was streamed online. Um, how did this entire event come together? Um, you know, it, it was so long ago, I, I'm not actually, to be <laughs> completely honest, 100% sure. I think okay. what happened was there was an idea between uh, a few of us. Okay. Uh, at the time, I was teaching at Metalworks because they have a they have a music school in there as well as being a studio, and, 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 and they also do, uh, they have a recording school and yada, yada. It's not just recording audio anymore. They branched off into all these different territories. It's a big complex, a complex there. Anyway, but um, yeah, it was uh, just an idea that came up between, I believe, me and uh, one of the managers at the school and the record company and just, you know, something like that. I can't remember exactly. But it was something to okay. do with that. Obviously, me being, you know, teaching there and, and them having the facility to do something like that with an, in, in their main auditorium, um, it must have started with me somehow. But anyway. Right. Something like that, yeah. Okay. Why did it take so long for the album to come out? Uh, that's the record company. I have no idea why it took them so long to do it. Um, huh. Great question. Uh, because <laughs> I know they made quite a bit of an investment in it. Uh, right. Not too, too long after, actually, it was recorded, um, I had decided that I, I did not want to carry on working with Magna Carta because there's, there was some some uh, technical and personal issues that uh, I felt that I didn't want to go forward working with them. And, um, right. you know, they uh, I, don't, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I, I wouldn't think so, but who knows. But, uh, yeah, it took two years, which is... Uh, Quite amazing, considering it was. I mean, I had done. I did all the the mixing and the mastering for all the audio, which was, you know, because there's a DVD and there's also a live album as well. I did all the the audio for that in my studio, which was great because I got to do it exactly the way I wanted it to be done. Right. So I had a, a big hands on the audio, and then they had, of course, other people doing video, which that's that's not my my area, but. Um, I'm quite happy with the way that it turned out, but it was, yeah, it was definitely, uh, I, was, I was starting to wonder, definitely, I think we all were, just wondering if it was ever going to see the light of day, which was odd, because right. it was, again, it was, you know, there was obviously an investment put in there from the record company and, and, and everybody else, and, um, just, yeah, we didn't know what the hell was going on, but it finally came out, so better late than never, I suppose. <laughs> True. How did you hook up with uh, Dave Martone? Is he also an instructor at Metalworks? No, he's uh, he doesn't even live uh, anywhere near I where I live. Uh, that was basically he's just one of the artists on uh, on Magna Carta, and then they uh, I guess they felt that it'd be kind of cool to get both bands to do it. You know, have two artists from the label do this one event. So it wasn't just like you know my band doing a, a webcast. Let's get a couple of artists, you know, and make it a a day of Magna Carta. You know, with our their, their artists doing uh, this webcast. So yeah, gotcha. Did you have any say with um, who the other artist would be, or was that just the label saying it was going to be Dave and that's it? Yeah, they just why well, I, I didn't didn't matter to me really. I mean, if you know they wanted to do it, they want you know they if you're going to do it, make the investment. Well, why not? You know, I mean, it's more beneficial sure. for them to do that to put more you know people um, that they work with and promote them. Of course, you know. So I, I thought it was a great idea, and I definitely wouldn't have entered. You know, I would have no reason to 
to object to that. Gotcha. Okay. But both bands were instrumental, you know, so that worked out. So if it was another band with vocals, I I don't know. I mean, I think it just worked out that well, that way, because both bands were instrumental and it was more fusion-y and this and that. Although we are quite a bit different in in styles of the music, it's still instrumental guitar-driven music. Right. You know. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the musicians that you had behind you in your band during the show? During the show, uh, the keyboard player's name is uh, Jim Gilmore, excuse me. Uh, he, he plays in the, in the band Saga as well. Um, Jim has become a, a real close friend of mine. He's a, he's a great musician, and, and we, we you know just really like working together very much. Same thing with Paul Yee, he's the bass player. I met uh, these, actually, I met both of them for, through the drummer, the original drummer that we were working with. Um, his name's Chris Sutherland, and uh, and because he was the first guy I approached when I was after I left Megadeth, and I was thinking, you know, it'd be kind of cool to do something a little bit different, you know, because I've been doing right. metal for so long, uh, and not to say that we're we're playing country here, but uh, you know, it's, it's just <laughs> right. a little bit, you know, I wanted to explore some of the stuff that I I also grew up with, which was, you know, some jazz fusion stuff, some of the, you know, just the harder edge jazz fusion stuff I call it, which is you know, Return of Forever, Al Demiola, where there's a, it's jazz but it has a rock flavor. Sure. It's very guitar driven and and you know harder edge, and um, you know stuff like that. You know old seventies prog uh, with you know a little bit of metal in there too. So there's all kinds of different things mm-hmm. that come together, different styles of uh, of uh, jazz and rock that are involved in it. And um, he he was interested in the idea that I had to do something instrumental. And we just it's, you know let's okay, let's pick a couple of songs to do uh, start off with uh, cover songs, so we can kind of check mm-hmm. each other out. And and we did a couple of tunes and sounded great and we just went from there and ended up making a full album and that's really kind of how how it started and how it you know how or why we went the extra mile and actually doing an album and doing this dvd and so forth is because of that initially and uh right, like I I chris had introduced me to these other two guys and unfortunately in the end before we did the show we had some serious pro- uh, personal problems with chris and it did not work out at all so uh and then we ended up finding another drummer so you know and that was that's the end of that um and uh, yeah, it's been. Uh, I mean, I'm still working with all these guys, and 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 you know, we're about halfway through a new album. Mm-hmm. So, but we're taking our time, just like we did with the first one. You know, we want to make sure it's it's uh, what we want, and uh, so we're slowly going through the tunes and just kind of doing it when we when we feel like it, and you know, all that stuff. Gotcha. I think okay. these days it's definitely more important that you take your time. You know. Sure. Anyway. The the one thing that I did want to uh, touch upon there that you mentioned was how uh, this sort of evolved from covers. How did you guys decide what covers you guys were going to play and who was going to jump on what with each song? Well, one of my favorite instrumental albums of all time is an album called Casino by Al Demiola. Okay. First track on there, I always thought it would be cool. I mean, any song on that album, actually, to, to make a cover or do a cover would be awesome, but... I picked the first one, and I thought, well, if we're going to check each other out, we're not going to do something real easy. Let's do something that's where we're going to challenge ourselves here. <laughs> right. And believe me, we, you know, I, it was definitely a hair-pulling tra- uh, track to do, uh, but a lot of fun. And, and I'm really very proud of the way it turned out, actually, and we're all very happy with it. And, um, but that was it. I thought, you know, if we're going to check each other out, let's do this properly. Let's pick some stuff where it's going right. to be we're going to see exactly where we all sit as musicians and, and what kind of caliber we're talking here. And, um, 
that was that. Like I said, that was the first thing. And once we put that together, it was like, wow, we get, I think we got something cool, really cool here. And then it went from, you know, we did a couple of, uh, a couple more tracks uh, by Jean-Luc Ponty, uh, violinist who's been around forever. Love the guy. And then we just got in some, some, you know, originals as well. And there you have it. Okay. And one of the songs featured is actually Symphony of Destruction. And obviously, after everything that went down towards the end uh, with Megadeth, how important was it for you to actually include one of their tracks in the set list? You know, to be completely honest, that thing, it basically, we didn't, okay, when we did this DVD, the, the week leading up to this, it was done on a Sunday, it was filmed on a Sunday. Right. The week prior to that was when we did the rehearsals. We'd never rehearsed before. It was all long distance. That whole Metal Illusion album was all done. The drums were done in Winnipeg. The bass was done here. The keyboards were done there. And my stuff was done in my studio. It was all done that way in sending wave files, you know, right. very carefully. And uh, I think we did a pretty good job of putting it together and making it sound like we were in the same studio because that was obviously the goal. You don't want it to sound like it's kind of, you know, kind of fragmented or whatever so i think we you know sure. did i think we did a, a good job of covering that but um basically um we had three days to rehearse and it was only two hours a day i fr i mean this was the first time i even just met the, the the bass player in person we talked of course on the, on, the, on the phone and you know doing working over the computer and all that stuff through emails and all that and um but it was the first time i met him so here we are in a rehearsal room, you know, which is outside of the city where, where I lived and at the time. And, and, you know, we're doing this, you know, two hours for three days and that's it. And we only, because of the, you know, the lack of time we had to prepare, we only had so much material that we can cover. And we right. turned out we were short, like a song or two. They said, can you throw in something else? And we're like, man, I don't know what the hell we're going to, you know? So I just thought, okay, let's do a cover song. And we thought, okay, we'll do Symphony of Destruction. Just because it's easy, everybody knows it. All right, let's have some fun and throw it in. So we did that. That morning, I mean, Christ, I, I, I literally just walked up to the mic and started singing it, literally, that when we started <laughs> taping it. I, no, I think we might have practiced it once before that. But that morning of the show, as I put the CD on, and I was going through the lyrics. I remembered a lot of them because I used to do a lot of the backups when we played the song in Megadeth. But right. I had to remember the main lines and, 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 you know, get that in my head. I think in the process, if you watch it, I think we're missing. I think there's one verse we didn't do near the end or something. <laughs> I think we cut it a little short. But that was, it was just so off the cuff, man. That's, how, that's, that's why we did it, though, because we didn't have enough material. And I thought, we thought, let's have some fun. We'll play something. We'll do a cover and just jam out. And we got that, you know, Dave Martone guy came up, and, you know, we just started playing solos. It's just it's completely ad-lib, man. That's 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 all. But we didn't we didn't really rehearse it. You know, just kind of like just kind of winged it. Right. You know? Cool. How was that? And it's it's interesting because obviously you've I mean, in 2013, it's roughly 20 years since you started uh, as a professional musician. So you want you know you really had a sort of a, a long catalog that you could go back to and choose from from a bunch of different artists that you had played with and a bunch of different, you know, albums that you had been on. Uh, how difficult was it for you to say, you know what, I'm just going to push all that aside and just try to get the majority of my new stuff in here? Or was there ever a sense that, you know what, I really want to go back and revisit something that I did, I don't know, 15 years ago that maybe didn't get enough attention? 
No. Not at all. Okay. No. Just uh just purely focus on, on, on just doing that, doing that stuff and featured. Yeah, you know, we tried to to do all the stuff we could in, in, in you know, in the set from the album. It just right. it, again, just because of time we just we could not make it work. You know, we wanted to do the Alden Mueller cover, you know, it's just we just did not have enough time. And playing that kind of music, um with all due respect, of course, the Symphony Destruction, great song, but it's a very simple song. You can, it's, it's not, you're not pulling your hair out to play it or remember the parts. Right. Quite straightforward. Mm-hmm. But some of the music that we recorded, there's a lot of parts to work out. You know, what's this mm-hmm. guy going to do? And, oh, you know, I can't do this part because, you know, you, you know, the, all kinds of things have to be worked out and, 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 and rehearsed and everything else carefully when you're playing this kind of music. And we just didn't, we just really, literally just ran out of time. But, you know, considering, I got to say, with all that, I'm quite happy with the way it turned out. Considering we never had a warm-up show, never played together before, and went on stage not knowing what the hell the next guy's going to do or what's going on, and did that, (laughs) it actually turned out pretty damn good. Right. Okay. When I watch it, you know, that's that's what I think of. You know, it's like, you know, know, considering all those things, it's not too bad. So I'm quite quite okay. pleased with the way it, t- it turned out, for sure. Okay. And what would you say for you is a more difficult discipline? Uh, would it be to play fusion stuff, or would it be to play metal stuff? It all depends on the band. You know, some it, it <laughs> really all depends, because there's a lot of parallels between the technical the fusion stuff and technical metal. Okay. You know, there's definitely a lot of parallels, for sure. Um, it's, a, it's hard to explain, but... Yeah, the easiest way to answer it is, is, yeah, I mean, I mean, playing some Megadeth stuff and some of the King stuff I played, and 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 even Testament too, of course. You know, there, there's a lot of intricacies in, in in the music and a lot of a lot of things you have to pay attention to and 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 be right on the money with. And it's kind of the same thing with the, with Fusion too, but maybe in a different way. But it's still, it's it's you really got to be on the ball. How about that? So it's it's gotcha. definitely it keeps you on your toes. Both both forms of music, you know. I, I mean, unless it's something that's you know real slow and you know more straightforward. But the, some of the bands that I've I've played with are definitely not um, easy easy bands to play with in terms of the music. Sure. You know, it's a challenge. But that's the way I like it. You know, otherwise I find it boring. Mm-hmm. I, I like the, I like the challenge. Gotcha. So. Yeah, you're you're not going out there and playing Satisfaction by the Stones. <laughs> no, and with all due respect to any of that stuff, because I love all that stuff. You know, right. I, I mean, sure. the, some of my mo- most favorite albums are are very very simple albums, but um, like the Ramones or whatever, Sabbath, early Sabbath or whatever, you know. Um, but it's it's just the, the bands they play with, yeah, are a little bit uh, more complex. So, in in different ways, but they were, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Did you use any sort of gear specifically for this show? Yeah, I've been using this preamp uh, by a company that I've been working with for, I don't know, well over 15 years now. The company's Digitech. I'm sure most people have heard of that that company. They've been around for a long time. Um, The rack mount that I use is called the GSP-1101. It's a fantastic unit. In my opinion, it's the best preamp out there. I haven't played one or heard one that I like better. Um, and so it was an easy choice for, you know, what I was going to use. And, and being that, you know, I'm trying to duplicate a lot of the stuff on the album. It's easy. It's a lot easier with this rack mount because it has a lot of the same tones, number one, that I'm using that I've used on the album, but also too, it's got an amazing harmonizer in it, you know, and, uh, 
Because if you watch the, sh- the show and you see some of the lines that are harmonized, that's the harmonizer right. inside that unit. One might <laughs> think, oh, that was probably overdubbed, that harmony, you know, because right. there's only one guitar player. It's not. Nothing's overdubbed, as a matter of fact. It's all from that harmonizer in the GSP. That was one of the first things that my brother Sean had said to me when he first seen the, the, the webcast as it was happening live. He goes, man, that harmonizer is just sickening, you know, and it is. It's a great <laughs> unit. Very reliable, and you can play it, you know, different patches with different harmonies, minors and majors and everything else, and, and great effects all around. I used that along with some of my Dean guitars, uh, and, um, or did I just use, like, you know what? I think I just used the one blue one for that one, one of my customs. Just thinking now, did I switch? I don't think I did. I had guitars, there, the guitars to switch to, but I think I ended up using the blue. It was, it was comfortable through the whole show, and I didn't even... Didn't go out of tune, and I just kept it, you know, used it for the whole set, which wasn't a long set. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the Cobalt Blue uh, uh, Custom. And then uh, for cabinets, I think I had a Randall there. And then I used, um, I think I used a Randall head for, uh, as well. I think I used that as well. So I used, it's a combination of a few different things I used, yeah. Okay. And you mentioned a little earlier that you're halfway through working on new material. Yeah. How is that coming along? Is that something that you've already – I mean, obviously you mentioned there's no time frame for that to come out. But did you start working on that right after your last album? Or is this something that you just recently started working on? We've been doing it kind of sporadically over the last several months, actually. Um, We're about five or six songs in now. Um, there's going to be some guest vocalists on this one too, I think. Of course, I'm saying that, but basically it's like, you know, I'm thinking that I want to do something where it's going to be half and half, half instrumental, half with vocals with different guest vocalists. Every song is going to have a different singer. That's a known singer in the, in the, you know, the metal community and, and beyond that. Um, but I'm not 100% sure that's going to be the format. That's just what I'm thinking right now. That could change. Mm-hmm. All depends on where things go. But right now, I'm looking at possibly just it's going to be, yeah, we're going to do half and half. So that's, that's the game plan. So it'd be kind of like, you know, like, uh, kind of like, the, you know, how, how the first Yngwie album is trying to think of an, an album that has this kind of format off the top of my head. The first Rising right. Force album, had, I believe, has that where there's, you know, there's some instrumental songs and there's some songs of vocals. It's kind of like that. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, but we'll see. Do you envision the material being a lot different from the previous album, or is it going to be more or less in the same vein, but just with the addition of the vocals? Some stuff is going to be in the same vein, but there's also going to be some stuff that's quite a bit heavier too. So there's going to be a mixture okay. of the two. Uh, it's not going to. Well, the last album was, I think, primarily a, a combination of prog. Like like kind of like older style Prague, I suppose, and jazz fusion and rock. This one's going to be, you know, with a little bit of metal, just because of my of my guitar tone. It, it you know obviously has that kind of feel in there. Um, but sure. with this one, it's going to be probably a little bit more diverse. Um, but at the same time, I have to have it where it's somewhat cohesive. Or I just don't. I won't put things together on the album that where it's not. You know. Um, gotcha. so hopefully I can, I can blend at these, these worlds that, that I've been working on and, and it can all come together cohesively. But, um, yeah, there's definitely, uh, at this point, the songs that we have, definitely there's, it's, it's more diverse. 
Okay. And some it's going to be more, basically some of, some of it's more complex, some of it's more heavy, you know, some of it's, you know, melodic. I always have to I always like to have a couple of real melodic, you know, more kind of, you know, more easily digested type of songs, you know, as well. There's going to be that. You know, so there you have it. Okay. And it's going to be more or less the same band that you had on this live uh album except for the drummer, yeah. Okay. Yep. So, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. If anyone wants to keep up with what you're doing, where should they go? Probably the best thing is um I mean, I I'm usually on Twitter the most. Uh I I I really have to we have to update our our main website, the glendroverband.com website. Um, but the Twitter thing is, you know, anybody who follows me on Twitter, that's really, I, I, that's where I really, I get more involved with the Twitter than anything else. I'm not on Facebook. I hate the site. I think it's a complete bunch of trash. Um, you know, so Twitter is pretty much the only thing that I, that I, uh, as far as, aside from, you know, the stuff that little blurbs and stuff that go up in the media, um, the Twitter stuff is, is the one that I use, that I frequent. Oh, and that's just, you know, it's, yeah, it's just punch up my name, you know, it's Glenn Drover, you know, it's just that. People can just interact with you uh, via Twitter then, you're very accessible? Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there, as you know, there's not as much interaction on Twitter as there is on, say, something like Facebook or whatever, you know, I'm sure you know right. how that works. But uh, definitely anybody who wants to, you know, who wants to stay tuned to what's happening and, and coming up in the next few months with that. And also, too, there is something else that's coming up that I was contacted about. I can't talk about it right now because it's not. <laughs> I can't because it's not 100%. And I don't want to jinx it, but it sounds really, really cool. Um, but I'm just waiting to see if everything is going to – all the stars are going to line up. And uh, this is actually going to happen. This is obviously another band thing. But uh, that's all right. I can say. But uh, that should be – I should be finding out that very soon. If I had a nickel for every time an artist said that to me and two days later a oh, press yeah. release comes out with the news. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it's just a tie. Yeah, it sucks because, I mean, yeah. I'm literally just trying to finalize some of the details right now. And um, I don't – yeah, I, I don't want to jinx anything because the minute they say something and something goes south. Right. I'm a firm believer right. in that. But anyways, uh, yeah, that should be coming up soon. But yeah, Twitter's the best way. Hey, this is Glenn Drover, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
thank Glenn for reaching out and wanting to do that interview with us here. Check out Metalworks. It's been out since September of 2013, 2013, however you want to say it. And he's actually got a new track up on YouTube as well. Check that out also. I want to thank you guys for listening to the show. Remember to check out all of the great stuff that we mention at the end of the program. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to end the actual episode with a track that I really like off of the... Uh, I believe it's the only album that Glenn actually appeared on with Megadeth. United Abominations, which to me is the last great Megadeth album. Everything they've released after that is between okay to good, in my opinion. But this album just struck a chord when it came out. And I got to see them on that tour as well, and they were great playing some of these tracks live. Uh, by the time I got to see them, though, it was on the Priest Feast. Glenn was already out of the band and Chris Broderick was in. But anyway, uh, let's get into a little... Hmm, so many cool tracks off of this. Uh, I've always loved the title track, so let's get into a little United Abominations. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast.
Thank you for listening to Mars Attacks. To follow the radio show and podcast, like us on Facebook by going to Facebook forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. You'll find us on Twitter also. Follow us at Mars Aries 2005. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, or just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to download or stream episodes. Or you can just go to the homepage of MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more about the radio show and podcast. This concludes our show.